a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Years ago, when I first started working for KSL, uh, this was before even I was the producer of the Doug Wright Show. One of my jobs was uh, to do some of the overnight work. And that is to you know keep track of the scanners, see what the police are up to in the overnight. If any big stories break late at night, it was my job to uh, collect all the information and have it ready for, uh, say, Grant and Amanda back in the day uh, to to produce and, and present as news in the morning. Well, one of the fascinating things of those early days in my time here at KSL is that uh, I spent it with uh, some of the writers for uh, KSL.com. Uh, KSL.com has uh, has its own uh, independent staff, and uh, the writers there are absolutely expert. And uh, as sometimes is the case when you have a, a group of journalists all together, uh, you start playing interesting word games. And during the downtime, uh, one of the one of the things that we would do is we would gather together late at night was to uh, trade knowledge uh, when it came to uh, the the etymology of various words or phrases. Here's one that I've always been proud of, and I, I learned this from uh, from a relative of mine who spent a career in the Air Force, and it is uh, "fly by the seat of your pants." Do you know what that? Do you know where that phrase comes from? To fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, it comes from uh, if you if you think way back uh, to to early pilots who had very primitive instrumentation. Uh, imagine you are flying. And for whatever reason, your vision becomes obscured, either clouds or fog or uh, anything that might obscure your ability to see outside. And if at that same time, your instrumentation either failed you uh, or you were unable to see it, how then would you be able to how would you be able to ascertain your relationship to the ground? Well, the pilots were trained to focus on the sensation that came, uh, uh, well, <laughs> where the seat of their pants met the seat. And uh, an expert pilot could, uh, you know, sense the, the speed and all that and be able to uh, feel physically their relationship to the earth and therefore uh, not get themselves into uh, some dangerous nosedive or uh, inversion or something like that. Fly by the seat of your pants. Uh, <laughs> a phrase deriving in aviation. All right, listen, uh, I told you that what we're going to do here is walk through some of the words that are so frequently used when it becomes, uh, you know, campaign season. Some phrases and words that uh, that are used in politics that have, you know, maybe some unknown meanings. Uh, so let's just start at the top here. Stump speech. This is a pretty easy one. You can probably guess. Stump speech. It's a term used today to describe a candidate's standard speech delivered day after day during a typical political campaign. I'm sure you, uh, if you have been a fan of a single candidate, you follow them from one event to another, some of their message starts to sound familiar. That is their stump speech. But in the 19th century, the phrase held a much more colorful meaning. The phrase 
became firmly established in the early decades of the 1800s, and stump speeches got their name for good reason. They would often be delivered by candidates who literally stood atop a tree stump. Right? So you come to some area, the trees have been chopped down, why not stand up there on that stump, elevate you a little bit above the crowd, and share your message? It only makes practical sense, and the phrase has endured. Now, how about this? Kitchen cabinet. Kitchen cabinet. The kitchen cabinet was a mocking term applied to an official circle of advisors to, anyone know? President Andrew Jackson. The term here has endured many decades and now generally refers to a politician's informal circle of advisors. When Jackson came into office uh, after the 1828 election, he was very distrustful of official Washington. And as part of his anti-establishment actions, he began to dismiss government officials who had held their same jobs for years. The kitchen cabinet... Remember the informal circle of advisors. The kitchen cabinet of Jackson included newspaper editors, political supporters, and old friends of Jackson's. I got uh, a text message with a request to give the etymology of the phrase or the word carpetbagger. Carpetbagger. And I will admit that until this request came in and I uh, just now looked it up, I didn't know this one. I know what it means uh, you know, in common and current parlance, but I didn't know its etymology. I didn't know where the word carpetbagger came from. Uh, Producer Amy did some digging for me, and she's got it here. It is a political term uh, which arose during Reconstruction and became widespread when Northerners flocked to the defeated South to do businesses, uh, to do business rather, and were uh, bitterly portrayed as unscrupulous outsiders engaged in political corruption and unethical business practices. Uh, so w- what happened was northern whites saw the chaos and confusion taking place uh, not long after the Confederacy fell. Uh, they, pack it, they packed up all of their belongings in these sacks they threw over their shoulders, looking like carpets, uh, carpet bags. And it was in those bags they carried all their belongings as they traveled south to then, uh, as it is claimed, take advantage of the chaos and confusion for their own personal gain. Uh, So that's an interesting one, a very interesting. Bully pulpit. Bully pulpit comes from the 26th U.S. president. There's some trivia for you. Do you know who the 26th U.S. president was? Teddy Roosevelt, who observed that the White House was a bully pulpit. For Roosevelt, bully was an adjective meaning excellent or first-rate, not the noun bully that you and I are familiar with. Roosevelt understood that the, the power of a modern presidency uh, came in persuasion, and he recognized that it gave the incumbent the opportunity to uh, exhort, instruct, or inspire. He took full advantage of his bully pulpit, speaking out uh, about the danger of monopolies uh, and the nation's growing role as a, a world power. And since the 70s, Bully pulpit has been used as a term for an office, especially a political office that provides one the opportunity to share one's views. Sometimes uh, your your power as an elected official is greater even, like let's say in the legislature, is greater even than your ability to vote. Sometimes the level of prominence which you uh, are able to attain allows you to share messages that... Uh, sometimes outweigh the power of the office for which you were elected. Politics aside, I think that uh, AOC has taken good advantage of the bully pulpit, right? A freshman uh, member of Congress, and yet she, her image, her name, her words are known worldwide. She has, uh, she has taken advantage of 
the Bully Pulpit. And, and while I've got you here, right before we say goodbye, The Bully Pulpit is, a, is an excellent book uh, written by Doris Kearns Goodwin. Now, she didn't invent the phrase, uh, but she uses that as a title. She borrows it, Bully Pulpit. Doris Kearns Goodwin, you know, she writes those really long ones. She wrote the one about Lincoln. Uh, she's got, uh, I think her most recent one is about leadership. Uh, excellent author, and if you have the time to read Bully Pulpit, I'd highly uh, recommend that one. Last one, uh, left wing, right wing. It's a labeling system which originated from the seating pattern of the French National Assembly, which put liberals on the left, moderates in the middle, and conservatives on the right. There you go. Left wing, right wing. Anyway, time for me to say goodbye. Thanks for hanging out today. I'll be back tomorrow at 1230. Now, though, time to step aside and welcome to the microphone the great Jeff Kaplan as he brings you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.